0: Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I'm going to start with a, uh, talking about my shoes, okay? Um, <laughs> yes, they are old school. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I like shoes. I don't know if anybody has noticed. I have not not that many. Okay, everybody's like, you got so many. I'm sure most of the women in here have more shoes than I do. Um, I, I mean, okay, sorry. I'm gonna get it afterwards. Okay, but I have I have tennis shoes that look really cool, and I don't really like to wear out because I don't want them to get dirty, you know, they've got this like look and you want to keep it clean and 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 don't get them dirty and and, and all that stuff and and then I've got these shoes which are Doc Martens from the 90s. Come on now. The real stuff, you know. The kids nowadays, they're like, "Oh, I want Doc Martens." I'm like, "Bro, You just want to be a 90s kid, okay? That's what you want to be. These shoes are like at least 25 years old. Seriously, 25. I mean, one thing about getting past like your teenage years is you can wear shoes for the rest of your life that you have had since you were 20, right? Right? I mean, that's just what it is, and I love it. But not all shoes last this long. I mean, these are the real ones. Like made in, they got insides printed, made in England. There you go, because now they're looking like they're made in other places. I want the made in England ones, you know. But these shoes, you know, I usually wear nice, clean, fresh shoes up here. But these are beat up. They're roughed up a little bit. But you know what? I know that these are gonna get me anywhere and they're gonna go through anything. It doesn't matter what I step into, I'm gonna go through them in these shoes. Those other shoes, I'll probably turn around and walk the other way, you know? And if I can, can I relate that to those other shoes? I, I relate to myself in what I think that I can do, maybe it might look it might look good it might look flashy it might look like oh i got all this strength or i got all this stuff or whatever but it really isn't going to get me where i need to go it just looks good and i might say god i'm never going to fail you i'm never going to deny you i'm never going to you know mess up I, I it doesn't matter if somebody you know says you're one of those jesus followers i'm never going to deny you and we all say that And in this message, I'm going to talk about Peter and kind of his story. But a lot of times, all these things that we think about what we're going to do, like Peter, is like flashy shoes. But Jesus wants us to come back to the old ones that we know are going to get us through. In Luke 22, Jesus is with his disciples, they're eating dinner, because that's where all the good conversation happens, at least in my house. In verse 31, it says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should fail not. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So these guys, Jesus is saying, look, Satan has asked to sift you. He's he's wanting to come and and, and tear you apart from me. And these were his guys. And and I want to say, so many times we can think, oh, man, I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been, you know, doing this and that. And I've gone to church three times this month. Woo! you know, and we feel good about ourselves. But these were Jesus' guys, his inner circle, you know, his crew, the guys that were with him all the time, and they're like, no way this is going to happen. Now, verse 33, Luke 22, 33, it says, but he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. Peter's like, look, Satan may say something. But Jesus, I don't care where it is. I'm going with you. You go to prison, I'm going with you. We're going to die. We're dying together. Here we go. I'm your guy. And 34, then he said, Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Peter's like, no, Jesus, let's do this. I'm your guy. I'm not going to deny you. I'm, I'm not those flashy shoes, you know, that just have the looks but can't get you somewhere. But he's thinking, he doesn't realize how much he is dependent on Christ for what he can do. And he says, no, 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 I got this. I got the strength. I've got the integrity. I've got the wisdom. I got everything that I need. We're going to get through this, Jesus, and I'm going to be with you. And was like hours later. I mean, you're talking, and how many times is it that this happens? It's like, man, I feel so good God is good, and I feel strengthened, and all of a sudden, then the attack comes. Then something happens to test how strong we are. And to test whether we're just leaning on our own strength. Are we really in it with Christ as our strength? So you go down just a couple of verses. you have this moment where Jesus was taken in and Peter's walking in. And I I don't, you know, maybe he's trying to be that guy that he said he would. But he's walking in there. They've got Jesus. And he goes up and he's kind of like sneaking in. And they lit a fire. There's a bunch of people around the fire. And he just comes in like all casual. Like, I'm going to stand here next to the fire, warm my hands. Kind of see what's going on. Probably, I I would imagine still thinking that he was gonna be Jesus' guy. But then all of a sudden, a servant girl comes and, and she's like, hey, you're one of his disciples, you're one of his guys. And he's like, what? What are you saying, woman? I'm not, it's not me. And he denies him, denies him again. And then in Luke 22, verse 60, it says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oh, man. He could see Jesus. He was there by the fire in the midst of those people trying to get as close as he could. And in this story, when I'm reading through, I think, man, it, it probably was just that Jesus was so far away, he couldn't, like, see him to, to remember what was happening, but no, he was right there, denying him three times, and he was close enough that when he denied him the third time, that Jesus looked back at him and just, I mean, who? could you imagine that look? And in 61, and then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. When he realized that the very thing that Christ had prophesied had come true. It broke his heart. He thought, just like we all do, like I- I'm not gonna mess up. I'm not gonna I- I'm not gonna do this thing, you know, that I'm not supposed to do. i'm I'm not gonna get caught up in this temptation or I'm not gonna get out there in the world and start doing these things that that those people are doing out there. I'm not going to do that. But then we walk out and we do it. And this message isn't a message of condemnation. This is a message of redemption. But I got I to gotta lay out the foundation of understanding that we don't have what it takes to do it ourselves. that no matter what we think that we can do, no matter what strengths or gifts or whatever we have, we're nothing without Christ. You know, Peter, this is the rock. The original one. But what happened? Now he's a lump of, you know, just nothing, mud or something. you just just mold him into whatever you want because I'm just, you know, sliding in here denying Jesus. I mean, he was anything but the rock that Christ had called him. I mean, think about this, and I and I and I want to try to lay this out so that we understand that no matter who we are, yes, with Christ and Him naming us, He can call us a rock, but unless He is giving us that strength and that stability, who are nothing but a pile of mud. Can you imagine it was humiliating and horrible that he had just told Jesus that, that he would go to jail or be put to death for him. He's like, no way, I'm your guy. And then walks out and denies him. And we can tend to feel humiliated or ashamed whenever we mess up or when we do something that we're not supposed to do and feel like, God, I, I, I told you that I was following you. I told you that, that I was going to listen to what you've told me to do and, and I was going to be who you've called me to be. And, and then I just screwed up and I messed up and so now I just feel so ashamed. And we, and we want to push away. Instead of coming to Him. I mean, this is the Peter that had cast out demons. That's done all this stuff with Christ. And, and I really feel like that too many times we see the stuff that we have done in the past with God and think that we're okay. Okay. We say, God, look at all these things that we've done together and think that means that we're past the point of falling. That we're past the point of doing something that is going to offend God. But we're not. But you know what's amazing? That that for Peter and, and for us, that one source of hope was that when Jesus was telling him that he would deny him, he said, listen, you're going to deny me, but actually I have prayed for you. Right? This is back in verse 32. They're not going to put it up. But he says, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. I have prayed for you that you wouldn't lose your faith. And not only that, that when you return and you come back to me, that you would strengthen. I'm calling you to strengthen your brethren. Not only am I praying that you wouldn't lose your faith, but I am believing and calling you into something great when you come back. Yeah. Right? Because whenever we mess up, we tend to think, man, I, there's nothing good that's going to come out of me. How could I possibly come back? to this place that I had with God, and then do even more. But listen, to to understand that, that Christ is interceding for us, saying, you may mess up, you may screw up, but listen, I've prayed that you wouldn't lose your faith and that you will return to me. And not only that, I believe in you. I believe in you and that you will return to me and do great things that you will take what has happened and strengthen those around you. See what is happened what has happened to us isn't just for us. God saving me, God redeeming me either the first time or the second or the 100th time that I screwed up and I came back. It's not for me. It's for him and for others. He says, I, I want you to strengthen those around you. We will mess up. But Christ is interceding for us. I mean, think about it. I, I don't know about you. Like, I, I just don't even want to like say anything else. I mean, I will, but because it almost just makes me want to drop to my knees and be like, I'm a mess, God. Like, you're you're interceding for me? You're speaking on my behalf that I would be strengthened that I would be restored that I that I would strengthen those around me you're praying for me just just that scripture right there make it just that verse right there. It makes me want to ask for forgiveness. It's like, what do you do? I don't know, but I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to say, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is, but whatever I did, Because he's interceding and speaking for us. See, our, our failures show us who we are. Yeah. But that's not what Christ wants us to see. Right? And that's what he's doing in interceding for us and standing and talking for us. He's saying, don't, don't see. I don't, I don't. He says, I don't see your failures. What does he want us to see? He wants us to see the cross. Not to see our mess, but to see his strength. Not to see our failures, but to see His victory. And, And I want my failures, my mess, not to lead me away from God, away from Him, but to lead me to the cross. Because that's what he did it for. That's why he gave his life. Now, I don't, I'm not preaching a let's mess up message. This doesn't mean you can go out there and just do whatever you want. All, I'm going to say it, willy-nilly. It's not what this is. But if it happens, he's there. As we see later on, I'm going to go to John 21. And what you have here is Peter is going out to go fishing and a bunch of guys like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. And and if you're, you know, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but what, what I'm feeling is that Peter's like, I'm going to go do something that I know how to do, that I know I'm good at. I screwed up, I messed up, I denied him, he went out weeping bitterly, and I'm sure he's a mess. And he's like, I just want to do something that I can accomplish, that I can have some kind of victory in. He's like, I'm going to go fishing. And this isn't a go fishing on Sunday message either. Men, men. But in John 21, 4, it says, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the di- disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And remember, like, I-, I was assuming why he went out there, but I mean, you know, he was good at fishing. He's like, I'm going to go fishing. And now morning had come. These guys had gone with him, and he's out there fishing all night, and he's, he's catching nothing. I should be good at this. I should have caught so many fish. I'm out here. And let, let me tell you, it's frustrating. I like the fish. When you don't catch anything, you're like, I know how to do this. I know which bait to use. I, I know which fishing pole to use. I know where to go, you know, where the fish like to hide. trying to find something that that I can put firm, my feet on firm foundation that that somehow I've got something good in me, but I can't find it. Because without Him, even these, you know, things like going fishing, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. I mean, it's fun and it's relaxing. but it's not going to fulfill you like Christ is. John 21, 6, it says, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Saying, listen, even in what you're doing in the natural, in in, in your workplace, and what you think you may be good at, you still need my help. You still need me. And you know what I love is that I I just see Peter and these other guys that are out there in this boat, and that's what we feel like. We're, We're out in this boat. That's my life, is out in a boat going down the river. If my boat had a name, It could be a bunch of failures. You know, everybody likes to put a name on a boat. Because what I can accomplish means really nothing. But see, Jesus is standing on the shore saying, hey, you catch anything yet? See, he's standing on the shore of our failure saying, I want to help you. I want to call you in and direct you so that you can find what you're looking for. Will you listen to me? I know you think you know how to do it. These are fishermen casting their net on the side of the boat over and over and over again, catching nothing. And I think about that figure. Jesus is standing there on the shore of our failure saying, will you listen to me? Will you listen to the direction that I'm giving you? And they did. And they caught a bunch of fish. In John 21, 7, it says, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. I mean, he's out there fishing. He's like, I'm going to be out here in my underwear because it's hot and I'm working really hard. But he put on his garment and he plunged into the sea. I love it. Because Jesus is standing there saying, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to do what I've asked you to do? And then he realizes it's Jesus and he dives in. I'm not going to wait for the boat to turn around or to get over to the shore. It's going to take too long. I've been far away from Jesus and I'm not going to stay away from him anymore. I'm going to dive into the water. I don't care what's in the water. What's the shortest way to Jesus? That's the way I'm going. And he's like Michael Phelps, probably. He's just like going. I win some gold medals. He dove in. Are we gonna jump out of the boat of our boat when Jesus calls us from the shore? Will we jump out? Now, the other guys didn't, and it's not that they were wrong. They came to, to Jesus also. But for my point, are we going to be so just abandoned to coming back to Christ that we just leap in and say, I'm coming? I'm going to get to you the fastest way possible. In John 21, 8, it says, but the other disciples came. In the little boat, for they were not far from land. They were dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw the fire of the coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you've just caught. This is the best part of the well, I mean, I don't know, it's all good. But Jesus is standing there on the shore, and he's like, hey, you guys catch anything? They're like, no, we haven't caught anything. We thought we were fishermen, but, you know, uh, we can't catch anything. And, and, and he's like, cast your net on the other side. And they catch all these fish. And they, they're like, look at what we've done now that he's told us, and we've listened to what Christ has told us. And now we've got all these fish, and they come to the shore. And he's already got the fire lit. And he doesn't even need their fish. He says, I'm going to help you catch fish. I'm going to help you do things the right way. I'm going to help you accomplish what I've called you to accomplish. But I actually don't need what you can do because I've already got the fish. But I want you to bring that in with what I'm doing. It's a humbling experience for me. I I just think about God. You know, I'm like, God, what can I do for you and with you? And what can we accomplish together? He's like, I've already got the fish. What I want to do is I want to see you do some work with me to accomplish something with me. He doesn't need our efforts. But he asks us to do this with him. See, and I think what that speaks to me is that too many times we think that it's our effort or that it's our, you know, my strength, what we can do. That's what Really, this is all about understanding that when we lean in our own strength, and our own understanding, we can screw up, and we usually do screw up. But when we trust Him, He gets us on the right path. See, the guilt of past failures can haunt us can stunt us, can can keep us from moving forward. But Jesus doesn't want us to stay in that place. See, Christ wants to redeem our failures. He wants to restore us. In John 21, 15, we have this moment where Jesus restores Peter. And it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? More than who? Anybody else? Anything else? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. See, he knows. Like, God, you know I love you. God, you know all things. You know that I love you. That's not why Jesus is asking him if he loves him. It's not like Jesus is trying to figure this out. Jesus is taking him through a process. He's saying, this isn't for me to understand if you love you, because I do know that. Yeah, you said, you know I love you, and, and I do. I do know that you love me, but this isn't for me. After the second time, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? We have to understand that, again, like I said, that this isn't for Jesus to know. Like, I want you to say it three times, so I really know that you love me. He's taking Peter through this process because Peter denied him three times, and he's going to ask him three times, and each time that he says, yes, I love you, it's a cancellation, a restoration, and for really for Peter, not for Jesus. But for Peter, he said, you denied me three times, and I want you to see that I am canceling that. I have canceled it with the cross, but I need you to go through this process of restoration with me. And I'm going to ask you three times, do you love me? And he gets to the point, and really I think also, this to me too, that That third time it says that he was grieved. I do believe that Jesus wants us to get to the point, or we really need to, if we're not to the point of hurting and grief over what we have done or the fact that Jesus is asking us if we actually love him, if we're not to that point, are we really in it? If it doesn't grieve us, if it doesn't hurt us, When he asks us, again, verse 17, 21, 17, he said to him the third time, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. He's taking him on this process. But I love each time, listen, each time he's like, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. And he says, tend my sheep. He's calling him to purpose when he's restoring him. He said, I'm not, I'm not only restoring you, I want to show you that I'm calling you to help people. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, my lambs, my little ones that are coming to know me. Also, will you feed them? Will you tend to them? Will you help them? I'm restoring you and I'm calling you to a purpose at the same time. no matter no matter what point of this story we're at because we're all we've all been at whatever point in this story maybe you're at that point where you're feeling strong and encouraged and god i'm going to do this with you and and there may be a point of struggle or failure in the future, maybe it's the point where now you're feeling a mess because you because you messed up. Maybe you've come back. And God's brought you back to this place of restoration and and strength and, and called you to this purpose. But the point of this message is, is that we're all called. We're all called, and we all mess up. If we try to do it on our own, if we try to to lean on our own, wear the fancy shoes, you know? Look at me. We can mess up. But we want that safe return home, right? This safe return home is the return home where we dive out of the boat and say, God, I'm coming to you. I don't care. I don't care what I look like or who sees me or what's in the water. It doesn't matter to me. I'm jumping out of the boat of self and and what I have and diving in to find where you are because I want to be where you are. You're calling me. You're calling me out of that that place into you. You don't need my effort, but you want my effort. And he's saying, will you come to me? Will you listen? Will you jump out of the boat? Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.